Week three, foundations and secrets. So last week, King Nebuchadnezzar had the disturbing dream. He called on the council, the magicians, the enchanters, the, uh, the sorcerers, all the wrong people. No one can tell him the dream. No one could interpret the dream. Daniel got his three friends, and they went and prayed. And before you know it, God gave Daniel the dream. They rested in God's provision. They made sure that they had faith that they were not going to be shaken by the threat of what Nebuchadnezzar offered. Because Daniel and his three friends, they were part of what was called the wise council. And because the enchanters and the magicians and the sorcerers could not give the dream, King Nebuchadnezzar got mad and he said, you know what, I'm done with this, kill them all. Take them all out. And it wasn't just the magicians and the enchanters, it was the entire wise council, which include Daniel and his three friends. Well, they weren't shaken, they prayed, they leaned into God, and sure enough, God comes through. He always does, amen? He got the dream, Daniel praised God for his power, his might. He even said, God, I praise you for revealing to mankind the mysteries that only you can reveal. And specifically, meeting his need. So we pick up in Daniel chapter 2, verse 24, and it says, Then, this is right after he got the dream, he went in to see Arioch, whom the king had ordered to execute the wise men of Babylon. Daniel said to him, Don't kill the wise men. Take me to the king, and I will tell him the meaning of his dream. Let me just say this. I want you to notice that Daniel doesn't just go to Arioch for himself and his three friends who were innocent. He went to Arioch for himself, his three friends, and all the ones who worship false gods. He, said, he doesn't just say, don't kill us. He says, don't kill any of the wise counsel, referring to the entirety of it, even the magicians, even the enchanters, even the ones who did not worship Yahweh. And I think too often, we wish bad things on the people that reject God. Forgetting to hate the sin and not the sinner, if you will. Putting ourselves in a judgment seat that was never meant for us. And I think one of the foundations that we have to make sure we stand on is no matter what the person represents... We have to make sure that when they see our reaction to them, they see a reaction that is on a solid foundation known as Jesus. 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 9-10 through 10 says this. The Lord is not really being slow about His promise as some people think. So really quick, if you ever hear someone saying, I wish He would hurry up, trust me, He's, he's not slow. He knows exactly what He's doing. Gas prices don't move God. Okay. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone, anyone to be destroyed, but he wants everyone to repent. So any of you that have heard someone say, some are destined for hell, read the scripture. Hell was created for one person, Lucifer, not mankind. But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise, and the very elements themselves will disappear in fire, and the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. Really cool if you think about end times. We think that the earth is going to be destroyed and heaven comes down, but it says everything will be destroyed, even the heavens. Why? Unity. Heaven on earth, not heaven above earth. Yeah, that just blows your mind right there. Cool. Awesome. He says he wants everyone to repent, for we all deserve judgment. So we are to be a people to extend the grace that we received in hopes that others will receive it. We will actually receive the same judgment they do. It's just that we do not get a judgment to hell because grace is made away. You don't get liberated from judgment just because you're a Christian. You will be judged, but you're, the, the, the judgment on you is he sees Jesus. He doesn't see the, the fallen form of you. 
Do you get frustrated at the person or do you get frustrated at the person's blindness? Because you desired the same for them as God did for you. We, we have those family members. We have those friends. We have those presidents. We have those politicians. We have those people in our lives that we get so frustrated with and we actually wish that God would do horrible things to them. And God says, I want them to repent just as much as I've wanted you to repent. What is your foundation for how you react to the lost and how you react to injustice? Is your foundation caught up in your feelings or is it caught up in your identity? Is your foundation caught up in your political party? Or is your foundation caught up in Jesus? How do you handle the things that come at you? We need to be a people that is so consumed in the identity of God as his sons and daughters built on his foundation that the way we react to anything is in itself God-like. And we have to really start taking some personal inventory. If I can just be honest, I read all of your opinions that get put on Facebook because it's public. Oh, y'all scared now. And there's some that are awesome, and there's some that are straight from the pit of hell. Did the pastor just say that? Yes, I did. You're welcome. Because I believe that anything is not, that is not of God is of the enemy whether you know it or not. And unfortunately, some of the things that we are taking on as a people do not represent God at all. They, rep they represent a culture that has fallen, and you think you're wise because you're giving a culturally relevant opinion. But because it's not of God, God calls it ignorance. Not that you're stupid or dumb, but that you're simply unknowing. But what happens in the church is that the ones who see it as unknowing and ignorance, we love to point it out and call it an issue when we should be praying into their blindness. Because they don't do it knowingly, they do it unknowingly. And even Christians can be blind. I believe for the rest of my life, my eyes are going to continue to be open. That's why this house is never going to stay in one place. Because no one ever gets fullness until we enter into his presence, literally. There is always room for growth. I wasn't going to say this, but I'm going to say it. Years ago, I did a series that a lot of us love. Well, maybe like four that were here. But we did this series called The Lord's Prayer. Anybody know The Lord's Prayer? Of course you do. But if you really look at it, is it really the Lord's Prayer? Because they said, Jesus, teach us how to pray. So he didn't pray like he does. He says, okay, you want me to teach you how to do a prayer? I'll teach you how to do a prayer. You want to find out what the Lord's Prayer is? Read John chapter 17 when Jesus is praying. What does that have to do with what I just said? Five years ago, I would have called myself heretical. But as I open my eyes to more, just because man put a title on the passage don't mean it's what God intended. We have to learn how to submit more to the revealing of the truest things of God. We all know the Lord's Prayer and can recite it like that, yet Jesus teaches don't pray with vain repetition. There's a purpose to it, but it's not it. There's a purpose to this word. Are y'all okay? Yeah. Okay. There's a purpose to this word. But I'm going to push the envelope a little bit more from last week. This is not it. There is stuff that we are to experience that we have never read about. Can I talk to you about the earliest disciples? They didn't have a Bible. But they did it better than we have ever tried to do. Even the first disciples of John, 
If you read through John, what does John say? If you read the text, it says something like this, imitate me because I imitate Jesus. The first disciples didn't even have a Bible. They just watched how someone lived according to a relationship with God. And most people have a relationship with this. But if I said what God is saying, you wouldn't be able to describe his voice. Because you have limited his voice to words on the page. If I can just be honest, there are things in this Bible that have been revealed. There are things in the Bible that have yet to be revealed. And there's things he wants to reveal that he never revealed to the original 12. Yeah, I'm, get, I'm getting on some testy stuff right now. Oh, See, I, this is the sift, the, the dip. This is when people are going to be like, oh, no. But I'm okay with the sift. What is your foundation on? If we are to build a foundation in him, we have to be willing to go wherever he wants to go and open that he wants to reveal more. The scripture says that light expels darkness. So you don't handle dark things with darkness. You don't handle a national issue with darkness and ignorance. When was the last time you prayed a blessing on the ones who are making decisions that affect you in a negative way? Have you ever noticed that God, when he talked to people, he always talked to the end result of them? When he called out Jacob, he said, I call you Israel. You know what Jacob meant? It meant a trick. Israel meant prince. There's a long way between trick and prince. He looked at Simon. That meant wavering weed. Oh, well, no, weed, reed. A wavering reed that blows to and fro in the wind. You know what that is? Those people that become the crowd they're with. Y'all know what I'm talking about? You a Christian at church, but when you go to your Friday night. But he didn't call him Simon. He says, I call you Peter. You're solid. You don't waver back and forth. Long way from Simon to Peter. Even when Jesus died, after Peter saw so many miracles, he says, I don't know him, and he went fishing. Gideon. He calls out to Gideon when he's hiding behind a wine press, cowardly, and he says, Gideon, O mighty man of valor. What's my point? He identifies you as he saw you before everything messed you up. And he says, I expect you to operate as I see you and stop telling me why you can't. I'm not ready. God views you as you are. I can't serve him in this capacity. God has already seen you past the serving. That's light in darkness. He says, I'm going to speak the true identity into your ignorance of who you are. He says, I'm going to call things out of you that you would never believe for yourself because you haven't seen you. There will be a day as we move in the spirit where the Bible says scoffers will scoff. I am not surprised at the warfare that I deal with. Because of the things I say like there's more to the Bible, there's more to the word of God than the Bible, I get scoffed at. And no one wants to get on that boat. But when they scoff at Noah, they scoffed until it started to rain. And when it started to rain, you know what they did? Noah, you ain't so crazy now. An, op, an apostolic house will go to a place that no one else will go to. And we will get called crazy and insane until they see the power in it working. But are we willing to go through the dip of scoff? 
Are we willing to open up our minds that God has more for us than the church has ever known? Are we willing to open up our minds that if he's limitless, there are things he wants to reveal that no one has heard? Will we endure and choose to accept him over the rejection and not letting the rejection of them Shake us because we're built on a solid foundation. Is this okay? And we see that even though Daniel was in a death sentence, when he came, when he said, I've got something, they realized they needed him. Even though he was this crazy foreign slave who worshiped a different God. And look what he says in verse 25. It says, Ariot quickly took Daniel to the king and said, I have found one of the captives from Judah who will tell the king the meaning of his dream. Now, that's funny because he didn't find Daniel. Daniel went to him. You know those people that always try to take credit? The king said to Daniel, also known as Belteshazzar, is this true? Can you tell me what my dream was and what it means? Daniel replied, there are no wise men, enchanters, magicians, or fortune tellers who can reveal the king's secret. But there is a God in heaven who reveals, what's the word? Secrets. And he has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in the future. Now, I will tell you your dream and the visions you saw as you lay on your bed. While your majesty was sleeping, you dreamed about coming events. He who reveals secrets has shown, he who reveals secrets. He revealed them then, and he's revealing them now. He who reveals secrets has shown you what's going to happen. And it is not because I'm wiser than anyone else that I know the secret of your dream, but because God wants you to understand what was in your heart. Notice Arioch says, I found a man. He was trying to glorify himself and Daniel for having the answer. And Daniel didn't try to take glory either. Because personally, if I had a dream and, someone's, and I went to someone and said, hey, I got the dream, I've got the answer, and they said, hey, I found Kyle, my first thing would be like, no, nah, he didn't find me. I, went, I found him. The Lord led me to him. I've been praying 24 hours and fasting all week. I was led to him. Daniel don't do all that. He don't try to get the glory. He gets accused of someone found him, and the only thing he says is he says, No man has the answers. No man has the secrets. He says, there is no man who can reveal the king's secret, but there is a God who does. He didn't try to take one bit of glory for himself. He made sure that the only one being glorified and the answer to all the issues going on right now is God himself. Jeremiah 33, 2-3 says this. This is what the Lord said. The Lord who made the earth, who formed and established it, whose name is the Lord. Ask me and I will tell you remarkable secrets you do not know about things to come. God will reveal things to you that have not been revealed. Just like we just saw with Daniel. The religious spirit, y'all listen. The religious spirit says if it hasn't been revealed here, then it's not God. The Holy Spirit says, I will confirm through this Bible that what is being revealed to you now is truth. Because what scoffers will say is, well, Pastor Kyle said the Bible ain't all of it. What scoffers will say is, Pastor Kyle said the word is not all we need. It's all we need, but it's not all we're going to have. This confirms secrets and revealing. This will confirm whether or not you hear the voice of God or the voice of something else. Because God's voice will never change. I, I, I know some people that they pastor at a Methodist church. And they're having to have church meetings right now because they're having to split from the Methodist denomination. Why? Because they are ordaining homosexual preachers. I don't care what your opinion is or what you think. God doesn't wake up one day and says, let me change my voice. 
He was, he is, and he is to come, but is, was, is, 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 and is to come is, is all the same is. I'm not sure what I just said, and do not ask me to, re to repeat it, but it was good. <laughs> His voice sounds the same yesterday as today. That even includes in our worship. The Lord says to worship with your hands lifted, but we've been taught in church that you get to worship like this. I know that hurts because most of us was, were doing that tonight. I know because I was sitting up there. Right? Like, this is most of our worship. Is he really that wonderful to you? Because the Bible talks about angels around the throne, four angels circling and circling and circling, and they all look different, and they're all doing different stuff, and some of them have like six eyes because he's so wonderful that they're having to keep on going to keep up, and we have embraced worship that says, just bask in his He is so good that you don't have time to. Well, who are you to say that to me, your pastor? And I'm not coming down on you for your style. What I'm trying to encourage you is that if that's your worship, I submit to you that there is more to be revealed that your reaction would be nothing like this. Well, you're judging. No, because there's stuff that I have to still be revealed to. None of us have seen the fullness of God except in one, and that's Jesus. And I beg to say, if you have not wrapped in who, up in who Jesus is, our response cannot be. You will worship more at a journey concert. Because everyone in church that does this, when they, when they at a concert, it's either this, or it's, or it's a light, or it's a ho, oh, and in church it's, I'm, I'm just being holy. Y'all know I'm telling the truth. When Daniel got a dream, all he could do was say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for revealing. Thank you for showing me. Thank you for meeting my need. And we just... Is this too much? Okay. If you want to have a conversation with me tonight at dinner about your style of worship, don't waste my time. I love y'all. Read the Bible. You'll get it. Do not put God in a... See, some of y'all mean right now and mad at me. Do not put God in a box. He speaks to you much as much today as he did yesterday. And believe it or not, he speaks to you just as much as he speaks to the prophets. He speaks to you just as much as he speaks to me. And if that wasn't enough, look at what Psalm 139 says, verses 13 through 16. For you formed my inward parts, talking to God. You covered me in my mother's womb. That's, Okay. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my soul, that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret. And skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth, your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. In other words, he saw Peter before Simon was fully made in the womb. And in your book, they were all written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. Have you realized that you were one of the best kept secrets that he has revealed in the earth? There, there's, there is something about you that was formed in the secret place that he thought the earth needed to be revealed. Well, I'm no one. No, no, you were one of his best-kept secrets that he revealed you for such a time as this. Well, you don't know my life. I don't need to know it because he covered you before all your life messed you up. He still sees you as what he planned you to be. 
And when you start to embrace how wonderful of a secret you are, you will start to open your eyes to say, God, whatever your intent was for me, let it be. Do what you want. You are, this is one of those scoffing things I'm about to say, but you are needed for God's fullness to be revealed in the earth. Let me, let me read a, a scripture to you. Colossians 1, 17 to 22. <clears throat> Sorry, I gotta get <clears throat> he existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is the body. What is the church? The body. The fullness of a man is not just his head. It's the head and the body. Right? He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead, so he is first in everything. For God in all of his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. The fullness of God is in Christ. Following? And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you who were once far away from God, once far away. If you are redeemed, I'm far from God should never come out your mouth. Your actions may be, but you're not positionally. <clears throat> you were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions, yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body, and as a result, he has brought you into his own presence. You are holy, holy blameless, as you stand before him without a single fault. The church is referenced to as the body of Christ, and he is the head. He says, I Put to death through Christ's physical body so that you could become his body. So we are his body made holy to display the fullness of the Godhead. Jesus says, I will display everything that I am through what I did and through my church. We, is this Okay. We saw the Father in Jesus Christ, and when he left, he says, now you make up my image in the earth. So part of him being revealed is simply us being the mirror image of him, which is a secret mystery to many. What does it look like to reveal more if we've seen everything? Jesus Christ himself said, if I were to write about everything in this book that I've done, there would not be enough pages to contain it. Therefore, we are to reveal the things that he did that we never read about. Because he says you will do even greater works. I heard a message this week talking about some things. And one thing they said was one of the most celebrated theologians of our time who is still alive as a man by the name of John Piper. When I, anybody ever heard John Piper? John Piper's an awesome guy. I remember growing up early in college, John Piper was like next to Jesus. I mean, I just listened to John Piper all the time. Uh, I, I, I still go on it. He's, he's an amazing man of God, great theologian. But he doesn't have it all right. They posed the question to John Piper asking, are certain people, you know, meant to be healed and certain people not? What do you tell people who, you know, what do you tell the person who has stage four cancer who's been praying for 10 years to be re released from the cancer? What do you tell them? And John Piper says, embrace the suffering. I don't think that's what Jesus wants. Can we dare to say the reason that they can't be healed is because we haven't figured out that mystery? Because I, I, I can't tell you how the heck Colleen stood up. I can try to all day, but I don't know. And I can't tell you why we haven't seen that level since then. But something was revealed that I'm trying to figure out. Are we willing to be a people that can have such faith and dependence in God that we're asking him to reveal the secrets that no one else has gotten? 
Or is he limited to just suffer? Or is he limited to God has a plan? Yes, God does have a plan, but don't let theology tell you what that plan was. The early disciples had no theology. The first 12 he picked, they, they, they did not meet the standard to go into the priesthood. And, and he used them to change the world. And you're going to tell me you're not ready? They were in the same place we were. But when he said drop it, they dropped it and they were willing to believe. If we're going to go into this, this maybe this is a prophetic message, I don't know, but if we're, if we're willing to go into this new place, we have to dare to believe that there are new things that we haven't seen. Like, I, I, I see a day where people are driving on the campus and they have to get out their car because they can't drive anymore. They have to just get on the ground and praise God. Why not? He reveals secrets and dreams and visions, and he sent his best-kept secrets to be the ones he reveals the secrets through. So Daniel tells the king, he says, you dreamed about coming events. And I know that not because I'm wiser, but because I know the author. So, so look what happens next in verses 31 to 35. Am I losing y'all? Okay. In your vision, your majesty. <laughs> See, he even honored the one who didn't honor his God. Y'all hear that? He honored the one who didn't even honor his God. I'm going to challenge you. This Father's Day. This Father's Day, it's not honor your father if he deserves it. Maybe the only thing you need to do for honor is to sit down tonight and just say, Lord, I forgive him. Okay. In your vision, your majesty, you saw standing before you a huge shining statue of a man. It was a frightening sight. The head of the statue was made of fine gold. Its chest and arms were silver. Its belly and thighs were bronze. Its legs were iron, and its feet were a combination of iron and baked clay. As you watched, a rock was cut from a mountain, but not by human hands. It struck the feet of iron and clay, smashing them to bits. The whole statue was crushed into small pieces of iron, clay, bronze, silver, and gold. Then the wind blew them away without a trace, like, like, like chaff on a threshing floor. But the rock that knocked the statue down became a great mountain that covered the whole earth. I want you to notice, yeah, someone's excited. I want you to notice the clarity of the description of the statue. Gold, silver, bronze, iron, and clay. But notice the head was gold. And the value of the material decreased as it went from top to bottom. It was heavy in its authority, built on a weak foundation. It says, but a mere rock, not from human hands, crushed this massive, beautiful statue. The winds blew what remained, and the rock became the thing that covered the earth. Are you building your life on a foundation that can hold up the weight of authority that you're meant to handle? Are you building your life on the solid foundation of Christ Jesus that what you're called to do, you will be solid, you will be as solid in what you stand in as what God has dared you to dream for? If God has called you, Kyle Garrison, to lead a church, will the foundations of your life carry the weight of authority of an apostolic leader. What are you talking about foundations of your life? The way you manage your finances, Kyle. The way you handle friendships and relationships, Kyle. The way you handle yourself on social media, Kyle. The way you handle people you don't like, Kyle. Right? 
The way you handle pastors you don't like, Kyle. Everything you're built on is in a solid foundation that can carry the weight. If you've been called to be a father, are you raising your kids up in a solid foundation? When was the last time, dads, that you prayed with your kids? More than just, as I lay me down to sleep. Bosses, are you building your employees up in a firm foundation? Well, I can't preach Jesus. You can implement values without ever saying his name. We saw it last week. Daniel did the same thing with the king. He didn't even know he was offering his kingdom in a godly fashion. He, he even worshipped other gods. The people you mentor, the people you pour into, what are you raising up in your foundation? I almost called this message Foundations for Legacy. In everything that you're raising up, are they in a foundation that looks like you or are they in a foundation that looks like God? Matthew 7, 24 through 27. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on a solid rock. Though the rains come in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against the house. Remember what happened? The winds blew it all away. It won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it, foolish. Like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and winds beat against the house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. When you're building on foundations, the next generation will only be as strong as the foundation you instill in it. The things you're building in your life will only be as strong as the foundations you build them upon. If you collapse at every situation, I have to ask, have you put yourself in a foundation that can handle any kind of wind? We are not designed to be tossed to and fro. We're designed to tell the wind where the heck it can go. And maybe not even just tell the wind where it can go, but to stand in the midst of wind and not be moved in the midst of pain and hurt and not be moved, in the midst of letdown and not be moved. But we embrace false foundations of follow your heart, but we never submit the heart to the Father. What you feel does not matter if your feelings are not in firm foundations. They will always lie to you. Your feelings will tell you what you can and cannot do. Religion will tell you what you can or cannot do. If religion got a hold of Peter, the moment Peter denied Christ, Peter would have never walked in his calling as one of the greatest apostles. But he did not allow anything. He just went fishing because he didn't know what to do. And when Jesus came back, Jesus started talking to him. And if you read the passage, the conversation that Jesus had with Peter was the exact same conversation he had with Peter three years prior. Word for word. And when Peter saw him again, there was not, amen, you got to earn this for three more years. He was immediately restored. And religion will tell you, you've been through the most horrible mess of your life, and you need to go through six years of deliverance and four years of restoration when God says, no, 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 you're ready. But will you submit to the process? I can't handle the process. Well, then where is your foundation? Is this speaking to anybody? Is this too hard? Some of you are like. Thank you. Thank you. All right, so, so watch this. He says, build your foundation on a solid rock. So Daniel is telling the dream. He's talking about all the metals. He's talking about the description. And in verse 36, it says, that was the dream. Now we will tell the king what it means. Your majesty, you are the greatest of kings. Now, remember, 
King Nebuchadnezzar worships a God that he does not. But he's still the greatest of kings. Just because they don't worship God doesn't mean they're not great. They just don't have their greatness in firm foundation. If Nebuchadnezzar had his greatness in firm foundation, he would not have been so shooken from the dream that he started start trying to kill people. I know. <laughs> the God of heaven has given you sovereignty, power, strength, and honor. He has made you the ruler over all the inhabited world and has even put wild animals and birds under your control. That's huge. He was like operating in Garden of Eden level. You are the head of gold. Remember the statue? But after your kingdom comes to an end, another kingdom inferior to yours, it will rise up to take your place. After that kingdom has fallen, yet a third kingdom represented by bronze will rise to rule the world. Rule the what? The world. Following that kingdom, there will be a fourth one as strong as iron. The kingdom will smash and crush all previous empires, just as iron smashes and crushes everything it strikes. The feet and the toes you saw were a combination of iron and baked clay, showing that this kingdom will be divided. Hashtag church. Like iron mixed with clay, it will have some of the strength of iron, but while some parts of it will be as strong as iron, other parts will be as weak as clay. This mixture of iron and clay also shows that these kingdoms will try to strengthen themselves by forming alliance with each other through intermarriage. But they will not hold together, just as iron and clay do not mix. I can go ahead and go to the end and say, you know what the intermarriage has been? Culture and God. Culture should not affect our worship. Our worship should affect the culture. I love the little secrets that you have to have your eyes open to. Secrets. You notice in the very beginning of the passage, Daniel says, now we will tell the king. I don't believe that he was just speaking of his three friends. We will tell. He says, you're about to hear the voice of God. Including God in the credit because Daniel wanted to make it clear, my God showed us and this is what he says. In other words, make sure you take every opportunity to give glory to God. I wonder when people give you praise, do you accept the praise or do you accept the praise and shift it? You're good at what you do, only by my God. Hmm. Now, King Nebuchadnezzar, this is where it gets interesting, was the gold head. And God told Daniel, I gave him sovereignty, power, strength, and honor. Now, if he worshiped other gods, then what's going on? He had all this power, all this strength, all this honor. What happened? You want to know why the next generation was silver? Because the next generation was raised up in a not-so-solid foundation that had all the power. You want to know why the church doesn't have a lot of power? Generation after generation after generation of compromise. You, you want to know why kids won't go to work? Generations. Because the generation that raised up people my age and younger, I'm kind of on that borderline, you know, they were so without they, they, they went so far to make sure their kids went without that they taught them don't work. Generational. The, the next off, the next generation is built on the foundation you lay for it. And before you know it, you've got kingdoms on the earth that have no authority, no strength, and cannot stand. We can't start building things based off of us in our way. We have to build everything based off of his way. Some of this vision has already actually come forth. He said the gold and then the silver and then the bronze and then the iron. You want some history? 
King Nebuchadnezzar represented the gold statue, right? That was the kingdom or empire of Babylon, the Babylonian empire. It had absolute power. What does absolute power mean? One person made every decision. Who was it? King Nebuchadnezzar. Sovereignty, power, authority, all the honor. The next kingdom, after the fall of the Babylonian Empire, was the kingdom of Persia. It was referred to as silver. Why? They implemented a new system. A bunch of nobles with equal authority as the king. Hashtag pastor and deacons. You're laughing. But I can't tell you the scoff I get when I tell them we have elders in this church, but I do have the authority to overrule them. Doesn't mean I do it, but I have the ability to. And even some of you are going, well, that's, there's no checks and balances to that. Well, when you're in relationship, there's plenty of them. Just because people have abused the system doesn't mean it's a bad system. Then, oh, this is, okay. Then, after the fall of the Persian Empire, there was the Greek. That was bronze. This is the next metal. Why? They were, the, the, the Greeks, the, the empire of, of Greece, they were more easily influenced with culture, and they, moved to, they made moves to accommodate the culture. Which is funny, because this empire was the one that was the largest, and what the scripture says, ruled the world. And then after that, there was another empire, the one that Jesus came in, the Roman Empire, which was what was referred to as iron, strong. And in fact, this one lasted the longest, but their government was democratic with military dominion, which tells you something. The strongest and the most pure was the one with absolute power, a true kingdom government. And since the fall of the Roman Empire, there has never been a world-dominating empire like Rome. It's been tried. Islam, Hitler, Stalin, Napoleon, it all tried to do it, but none has succeeded. But this chapter in Daniel says one will. Verse 44, during the reigns of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed or conquered. It will crush all these kingdoms into nothingness, and it will stand forever. That is the meaning of the rock cut from the mountain, though not by human hands that crushed to pieces the statue of iron, bronze, clay, silver, and gold. The great God was showing the king what will happen in the future. That dream is true and its meaning is certain. I tell you that the rock in the dream wasn't the church, it was Jesus. Psalm 118.22, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. You see, kingdom was always right, but it's a kingdom submitted to the Godhead. Jesus was the rock, not cut by human hands. He, wa he wasn't conceived a man. Now watch this in Matthew 16. Is this interesting? Yes. Well, look, look, at, look at this in Matthew 16. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. And he asked them, well, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, you, really quick, secret revealed. No one told him that. It was revealed through relationship. God's not telling me nothing. Strengthen your relationship. I dare you to strengthen your relationship without the Bible in front of you sometimes. Because I love the Bible. I read the Bible every day. But I also make sure this is not a crutch. 
This is how I build my foundation in my relationship. Is that okay to say? Okay, good. I was going to say it anyways. Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in my father, he did, not even Jesus, my father in heaven revealed this. The father revealed it to Peter before Peter was saved by the blood. The prophets heard from God before Jesus on the cross. Noah had a conversation with Jesus. Moses had a conversation with, well, why Jesus? Because Jesus is the word of the Father. Everyone before the cross still had as much of a relationship with that cross. What the cross did was make you right. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock I will build my church, and the powers of hell will not conquer it. Do you realize he's referring to prophecies in Daniel? Even if not by realizing it? Of course he realizes Jesus. And upon this rock I will build my church, the powers of hell will not conquer it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Why the kingdom of heaven? Because it is the only one that's going to stand. He doesn't say I'm going to give you the keys to Rome to change it. He doesn't get the disciples to be governors of Rome. He says, I'm going to show you how to operate in a different kingdom. And even though you don't have governmental authority in Rome, you will have it in heaven. Now. So whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven, and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. When Jesus said this, now here's where we get, we get this wrong. We've always been taught in church that when he said, you, Peter, you are, your name means rock, and on this rock I will build my church. We think he, what Jesus is saying is we're going to, he's going to build the church on Peter called the rock. It's not what is, that's not what's going on. This is what's going on. Peter and the disciples are talking to Jesus. And Jesus is standing on a rock. And it wasn't just any rock. He was standing on a rock in front of a cave. And most people refer to this cave as what they called the gates of hell. Because they believed the spirits of hell would come out of the cave into the earth. So imagine that this black hole is the gates of hell. And Jesus is standing in front of it. And he says, hey, Peter. You, your name means rock, and on this rock, I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. <laughs> Yet we run to church to escape hellish things. He stood right there at what they considered the gates of it. Now, here's why I bring that up. Jesus stood on top of a feared place to declare, hey, Peter, on this rock, the on this rock, Jesus is the rock. On this rock, I will build my church. And I'm calling you rock because the way I build my church is a legacy of sons that look just like me and can do exactly what I can do. And the powers of hell who tried to conquer the earth before and who are still trying to conquer the earth will not prevail against a people who are looking like me and acting like me and operating like me. So if hell is winning in your life, there must not be something in correct operation. The church built on the rock is the rock that becomes the mountain that covers the whole earth, the greatest kingdom that man has ever seen. And secrets have been revealed to the ones who have said yes to Lord, build it through me. So the foundation the church being built on is it Jesus or man's theology that feared the ability to do what God does? 
I can't tell if y'all are bored or locked in. Okay. Is the church built on Jesus or man's theology? Because when we build a church off of theology, we are surrendering to a false truth that no more secrets can be revealed. How dare us say that man's theology is complete? It's not. Let me read verse 43 again. This, this mixture of iron and clay shows that these kingdoms will try to strengthen themselves by forming alliances with each other through intermarriage, but they will, they will not hold together just as iron and clay do not mix. I believe the church is being mixed with clay according to the scripture. We're forming alliances with culture. We're trying to grow large. What's the issue with that? We see in the Greek empire, the largest doesn't mean it's sustained. It's only sustained when you built on a solid foundation called the rock. Psalm 41 through 3, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me and heard my cry. He also brought me out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock. And establish my steps. He has put a new song in my mouth. Praise to our God. Many will see it in fear and will trust in the Lord. David praised God for taking him out of mixture and putting him on solid rock. Everything in our life, is it set on a rock or is it set in clay? As we see in Nebuchadnezzar's dream, those feet were shattered when it's in clay. The dream said it was a mixture of iron and clay. In other words, it had the image of strength with no substance. Huge organizations can have images of strength, but no substance. And over time, we have had so much mixture that we no longer even operate under one influencer called God. The church makes decisions off of how do we get people? How do we water down the word? How do, no, no more, God, what do you want? And that's why apostolic houses, I believe, are smaller because we're daring to go to places that don't work according to man. Hence the dip. But eventually. But even with clay, you want to know how good God is? Someone say, tell me. Look at Romans 9, 21. When a potter makes jars out of clay, doesn't he have a right to use the same lump of clay to make one jar for decoration and another one to throw garbage into? In the same way, even though God has the right to show his anger and his power, he's very patient with those on whom his anger falls who are destined for destruction. He does this to make the riches of his glory shine even brighter on those who he shows mercy, who were prepared in advance for glory. In other words, God can still mold clay into the most decorated, honorable things to be used by him to spread his reign and his kingdom all over the world. Why? He'll take garbage and mold it into honorable representatives for one purpose, to make his glory shine brighter. Do you know what that word glory literally means in this text? It means an excellent thing belonging to Christ. He says, I will take the worst situation and mold it in such a way that it shines light everywhere, expels darkness and ignorance, so that the very ones who were shining light understand they were predestined to belong despite the foundation they have embraced. Despite the foundations you were raised in and despite the foundations that this culture is trying to instill, he says, you still belong to me and I want to show you what the right foundation is. And in order to walk in a right foundation that is against culture, there will be many people that say you are wrong. There are many people that say you're, you're, you're this and that. You know, you're a bigot. You're hateful. But we cannot shift what we build our foundations on because the world who does not know God tells us what we can or cannot do. Verse 46. Then King Nebuchadnezzar threw himself down before Daniel and worshipped him. And he commanded his people to offer sacrifices and burn sweet incense before him. 
The king said to Daniel, listen to this, y'all. Truly, your God is the greatest of gods, the Lord over kings, a revealer of mysteries. For you've been able to reveal the secret. And then the king appointed Daniel to a high position and gave him many valuable gifts. He made Daniel ruler over the whole province of Babylon, as well as chief over all of the wise men. <laughs> Can you imagine that? The magicians and sorcerers were submitting to a man who worshipped a different god. At Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to be in charge of all the affairs of the province of Babylon while Daniel remained in the king's court. A king bowing in honor to a foreign slave about to be executed. All because Daniel asked and God revealed secrets. It doesn't matter what your circumstances or your situation is. God will tell you exactly what you need to know so that his glory is revealed in you. Managing life in such a way that you are prepared in advance to glory in him and for him. Church, never let anyone shift this. You belong to God. And the glory of God is you operating in your truest form. And you operating in your truest form is walking in glory to give God glory. When Daniel was walking in his truest form, he was a foreign slave destined to be executed, but he still walked as he was supposed. He was even renamed, but he did not walk according to his name, Belteshazzar. He walked according to Daniel, the one that got, the name God gave him, the, the identity that God gave him. And when he walked as Daniel, even Nebuchadnezzar admitted, your God is so far above mine. And how did Nebuchadnezzar know it? Daniel didn't let one thing go by without Yahweh getting recognition and glory. And before you know it, the authority that they carried in God took them to high positions all because their foundations was all in God. We have to let our foundations be so set in God that we don't worry, that we don't use our thinking, that we don't lean, lean into what we've always known. We don't say this is how I was raised. We say we're being raised in a new glory. We no longer say, well, th well this was just what I was brought up in. No, no, no. That was an iron and clay foundation. He offers a new one, a foundation that will never be shaken. A foundation that as we build and take authority in the earth, nothing is going to shake us. I believe there's coming a day when the government is going to come against the church like crazy. We have to make sure our, our foundation is so solid that we don't shake and waver like the church did during COVID. Because if my God tells disease where it can go, it, a disease will never tell me how I can worship. It's going to get worse. But my God was, and he is, and he is to come. We got to learn how to depend. You know, we can get so lost in academic. We can get so lost in theological studies. You want to know where we all need to learn how to sit in? Just how to depend. I close with this scripture in Hebrews 11, verse 8. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land. That God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. Church, I believe God is taking us to a place where we don't know where we're going. And that's okay. And even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith. Why? He was like a foreigner living in tents. In other words, he went to the place promised him, but the place wasn't, it wasn't ready. The place wasn't 
There was no form to it. He was living in a tent because he had to figure out what to do. And I think one of the biggest shaky foundations of the church is we want to figure it out before we go. And God says, go, and I'll show you what to figure out. So did Isaac and Jacob who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations. A city designed and built by God. I close simply saying this. Foundations and secrets. Going to a place where the design is totally in Yahweh. Foundations are eternal and not for a moment. I believe the next revival in the earth, if, if we build on the right foundations, this one's not going to stop. And the only way it won't stop is when we start seeing stupid stuff happen that have not been revealed before. We don't get a system to sustain it. We keep moving. We move to the next, and we move to the next, and we'll go through the dip, and we'll move to the next, believing that every step of the way is on an eternal foundation. Let us be a people that build on foundations and let God reveal secrets. Amen. Let's stand. Can we give God praise tonight? Come on.